Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Matt Smith, here with the Strength Talking Shop podcast. This week's podcast is sponsored by Optimum Nutrition Athletics. We all know that protein is the key to muscle recovery, and Gold Standard 100% Whey Protein provides 24 grams of protein that mixes easily using just a glass and spoon. Optimum Nutrition's Gold Standard 100% Whey is made at their state of the art facility. It's banned substance tested by Informed Choice. Optimum Nutrition Athletic Program, you can get things such as Pro Gainer, which is their mass gainer for athletes looking to gain a little bit of weight. Their protein snacks such as crisp bars, wafers, cake bites, and almonds. I absolutely love the crisps, guys. Uh, these wafers, too, are amazing, the raspberry and the vanilla ones. And after dominating the sports and nutrition industry for over 30 years, newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings that same trust and quality that knows how to put convenient options for protein in the hands of athletes who want to get bigger, faster, and stronger at their sport. So guys, make sure you reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition. All of his information is down in the show notes. I can't thank them enough for being our sponsor of the podcast. Guys, th- their stuff is absolutely wonderful. Every day, I'm eating some of their crisps, um, some of the, uh, the cake bites that they got. I'm using their fish oils. I'm using their multis. I mean, they are awesome. So if you want to get this out there, for your facility, if that's something you're interested in, again, reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition so we can get you hooked up and get that into your facility, guys. Number 50. So this is uh, number 50 of the podcast. I'm very excited to share this week's guest. It's Matt Rhodes of Moorhead uh, State University. Matt, uh, Coach Rhodes, is somebody that I have looked up to for a very long time. Uh, Last year in 2019, I had the pleasure of being able to, to live about 45 minutes away from him, so I, I frequently visited him and uh, created a great friendship and, and a great mentorship with him. He's somebody that I've really looked up to for a very long time, and this is an awesome episode, you guys. Uh, it's pretty long because Matt, he, uh, he gives out some wonderful information and just his experience, guys. I mean, he has been training and lifting for as long as I've been alive, 29 years. It's crazy. So I can't thank him enough for being on the podcast, for sharing all this wonderful information. Uh, Rhodes, you know, really changed my life last year when I met him. Um, quick story, uh, at the time, uh, I went to go visit him, and I really kind of didn't know what to expect, you know, reading from Rhodes for the years. Um, you know, you never know, know what you're going to expect when you meet somebody, and he could not have been a nicer person. Every single time I uh, went and visited him, uh, we would go to lunch, and He'd always pick up the tab, and that's always like something that was really small at the time. At the time, I wasn't making a ton of money where I was working at, and it was just a little small gesture that that went a really long way, and and Rhodes is just a wonderful guy. So everybody, make sure you reach out to him. Uh, His email is going to be down in the show notes. Also, make sure you reach out and listen and read to his articles that are on Elite FTS. He's got some YouTube stuff on there as well. Always great content. Thank you to all of our, our guests that have been on the podcast, all of our future guests all of our uh, listeners out there and everybody that supports this podcast. Again, I can't thank all of you guys enough for for, for all this help. Guys, we're 50 episodes in, and we're going to get another 50 in and another 50 after that. We're going to keep this thing going. We're going to keep the train rolling. So thank you guys so much. If you could just rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, that would be absolutely awesome. Let us know how we're doing and how I can uh, get better and, and help you guys. 
So everybody, Matt Rhodes this week, Moorhead State University. Again, thank you to our sponsor, Optimum Nutrition Athletics. Make sure you guys reach out to Dave Harvey if you guys are interested in getting that into your facility. And everybody, stay strong. What's up, guys? Uh, Strength Talking Shop podcast. Matt Rhodes, Moorhead State University, head strength and conditioning. A big influence on me. Rhodes, good morning. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. I just finished up with uh, six football groups on my day off. So I'm doing well. <laughs> so it's, yeah. been a good, it's been a good morning. At least you're getting the kids in the weight room, man. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, guys- I didn't freak out once today. Whoa, all right. I kept, yeah, I kept, it, I kept it good today. I freaked out on the football coaches yesterday, though. It was good. It's fun for me. Got, got your freak out of the uh, the week over, you know. You yeah, well, I, I got my I got my point across. Exactly. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You doing all right? I haven't talked to you in a while. But no, man, things are great. I, I couldn't be more happy. Uh, number one, having you on the podcast is huge, man. So I, I'm just pumped to be able to reach out to you. I, I think almost. Damn, every couple episodes, your name gets brought up either by me or a guest. So I know the, the masses are excited. <laughs> Whoever's bringing me up, you're fucked in the head. <laughs> I'm an egomaniac. I'm full of myself, and I'm never wrong. Just ask me. <laughs> I, I, funny story, whenever I first came and visited you, and uh, you know Diamond had me waiting outside the weight room. You know, I've read your stuff for years, um, and I'm sitting outside the weight room, and you were as, re- I mean, your head was as red as can be, like a tomato. And I'm like, and I just read an article the night before just to kind of, you know, I had some questions I wanted to ask you and stuff like that. And you were talking about uh, your staff and everything. And you're, it, it was basically saying, you know, your staff, you want to get more out of them and everything. And like I said, you were red as a tomato. And I go, oh, shit. I go, he's going to hate me. And you come out of there, you couldn't have been a nicer person and answered every question. <laughs> but I tell you, for five minutes there, I'm shitting bricks out there with Diamond. Like, whoo, I'm scared. I'm going to get the wrath of, of Rhodes. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I, um, I am quite the drama queen. And I definitely make a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. I always have ever since I was a kid. And then I kind of calmed down. I'm like, well, I kind of look stupid there. But one thing that I, I think I'm very lucky to have it, and I, I think I got it from my parents. When my sister and I would get in trouble as kids, we'd get our asses chewed out. Yep. And then it was over. Mm-hmm. So it's like you would get corrected. You would get, you know, you know, told whatever. And then it was over. And so I think as I grew into, I mean, by age, I'm an adult. Uh, as I grew, I, I think I kind of inherited that. Both my parents were the same way. Right. You get your butt chewed and then it's on to the next thing. So I've always had that ability to freak out and then it's over. Mm-hmm. And now we're on to what's next. And I remember I had a former player, Ron Cooper, who played football here when I first got here and Coop was one of the scariest human beings I've ever seen. Uh, 
it was one of those deals. If, if, if he and I had to go down a dark alley and one of us had to come out, I don't know if I would have. Whereas with most of the guys, like, now I could be wrong. They might kick my ass, but like, I'm not scared of them. Right. Coop scared me a little bit. Not in a bad way, but just like, like, and uh, he goes, coach, you would freak out. And then immediately just like go back to explaining something in a normal voice. He goes, he used to scare the hell out of me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not something I think about. It just, I I think I got it from my parents. And I, I think it, I don't know. Hopefully the kids see like something's wrong, correct it. Now we're on to the next thing. I saw but I definitely, I definitely overblow it because I'm a drama queen though. So that's not good. I mean, I saw it personally though with a couple of your your sports on the days that I came and visited you, and you corrected something, you were to the point, and then you completely moved on from it. And I mean, like the sessions were great. I mean, and it was for me as as a coach at the time. I was like, that's huge because I know I've had coaches in the past, you watch them and it lingers throughout the entire session after the freak out or maybe the, just the, even correcting, especially with today's kids, it yeah. just lingers throughout the whole workout. And then your relationship with them just slowly deteriorates over the time. So I think that's important, man. Yeah. Well, the, I, I said that I, I guarantee I said it to you and Jim Wendler and I talk about all Look at I'm name dropping already. Uh, but we talk about it all the time. You know, sets and reps, as a head coach, sets and reps for me are probably maybe 10% of what I do. Uh It's 90% schedule, talking to coaches, talking to trainers, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Uh So as an assistant, I'd say it's probably 80, 20, Uh 20% reps sets and reps and 80% all the other stuff, psychology, sociology, teaching, uh, uh, you name it. Like it's a whole bunch of other stuff. So I think it's really important to, to study and learn the other stuff. The sets and reps are awesome. Mm-hmm. Like that's fun. I think that's why most people get into this uh, or, or a big part of why most people get into this but it's all the other stuff that I think helps you improve as a coach. Because if we just did a program and it was three sets of 10 for everything, and you could sell that and you, you could relate to the kids and you could explain why, it'd be the greatest program ever written. Even though maybe scientifically it's not sound, as long as there's some kind of a progression and we're using pretty good exercise, it's the greatest program ever. And it has nothing to do with the sets and the reps. It has to do with your communication and, 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 and how the kids relate to you and, and all that stuff. I think at least, I don't know if I'm right, but I, I believe that, you know? No, I, I completely agree. Some of the best programs I've ever been around, you know, when I was at Northwest, let me name drop our national champions. You know, Joe did a great job of that with our football guys. Everybody knew their role in the weight mm-hmm. room and we would, you know, the sets and reps were not we, – we didn't talk about that in our staff meetings hardly at all. It was how can we get these guys ready for a full playoff season and ready for a national championship. Because yeah. when they would come in those end seasons, it was basically like, hey, what can we do to get you ready for Saturday? And yep. then what's going on in your life? What other stresses are you having? Maybe you need to – maybe you just need to do a foam rolling session. Let's get out of here, you know. Yep. Not really about those sets and reps. I think that's 
communication is the number one thing. And as young coaches, man, I struggled with that big time. I thought it was always about, well, I got to try this phase of whatever. Man, it, it, what's at the basis of it, what's the relationship? Do they even like, do you even know what classes they're in? What's their major? Just little things. You talk about that yeah. with, you talked about that with me. You said, how do you set the tone? And I honestly, I didn't really know how to answer that question. I think setting a tone is, is huge with the athletes. I know you've talked about yeah. it extensively. Dive into yeah. That. Well, the, the thing that I try to do and cause I have, uh, I basically have GAs. Those are my, who my assistants are. And if I'm lucky, I get them for two years. Uh, sometimes they'll be here for a year. They'll be able to get another job and go, go make more money. I get it. Right. But so for me, because I have such uh, turnover. So for instance, I just hired a new guy back in July. Mm -hmm. I've hired at least one new assistant every semester for the last four years. So I've had to t uh, teach a new GA every semester for the last four years. So that's fine. That's, it, it's just what it is. So I can piss and moan about it or accept it. That's what it is. So that will take away from my time to do extra research, extra study, to really dive into some new things. Like, you know, I read all the time and, you skim some stuff and ah, it's interesting. I'm going to read that again, or I'm going to dive in, whatever, but it definitely takes away a little bit. Right. So that's one of the reasons I keep my program so simple because I don't always have a chance to really expand and play with stuff. So if I'm stressed out and I got to look over someone's shoulder and I basically have to like, for lack of a better term, if I have to babysit them to make sure that they're on top of things, when I have to do my job, it better be so simple that it doesn't take away from my ability to coach my teams. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. That makes total so, sense. and again, I don't know if that's the right way to do it, but that's how I do it. So by keeping things really simple, I could explain it like the back of my hand. I don't have to look at the football program or the basketball program or whatever. I know what it is. Exactly. I know, for the most part, I know what it is. I know what week we're in. So that I, it tells me what the percentages are for that week and the, the exercises. And I know what the goal of the cycle is. Is it a hypertrophy cycle or a strength cycle? I know that stuff. So it's super easy to know like what's going on. So your original question was setting the tone. Yeah. So I keep it really simple. So I know what's going on at all times. If I know what's going on, I can kind of keep my cool. And I'm able to explain what, what are our goals? Our goals this week, our goals for this cycle, our goals for this whole training cycle. So if, I, if it's simple, I can explain that. The easier I can explain it, the easier it is for them to possibly understand it. Absolutely. The better they understand it, I think there's a better chance that I'm going to get compliance. 
and they're going to get, oh, I get why we're doing this. I get that the weight's supposed to be light right now because he keeps saying that and he keeps reminding us that it's going to get heavier. We've got to do this to get to this, to get to that and so on and so forth. So I think part of the setting the tone for me is I keep it simple so it's super easy to explain and they start hearing the same things over and over. And even if you're a dunce, it's like, I keep hearing the same thing. Well, it must be important, right? So it's all, it's very repetitive. I always, I always joke when new, new uh, GAs come in, I'm like, what, what do you have to do to be a good coach? And they got this fancy, I'm like, no, you got to be able to repeat yourself a lot. Yep. You know? Exactly. <laughs> My horrible sense of humor. <laughs> but, so I keep it simple so I understand it back to front, front to back. I know what the pitfalls of each cycle are. If it's a hypertrophy cycle, what are we missing out on? If it's a strength cycle, what are we missing out on? What do I have to address a little bit more next time because we're going to miss out on it a little bit? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. But it's so simple. I know what I'm going to get, what I'm going to miss out on, because there's no such thing as a perfect program. Right. You can never do everything all at once. You just can't do it. Jim Wendler always says you can't serve two masters. Exactly. So what's the goal? What do we have to do to achieve that goal? It doesn't mean you don't do certain things. It just means at a certain point, some things aren't going to get as much focus. They're still going to get taken care of, but we just can't focus on everything. So you, so if I know all that stuff, it's super easy to get it across. That makes sense? Makes sense, yeah. And then the other thing that I, that I kind of, it's not my mantra or anything like that, but I remember when I first got back into this business, I worked for Connor Hughes, and he's the head guy at Army. Uh-huh. And he had a, a, a piece of paper uh, on the wall that said, what is tolerated is encouraged. So it, it was, you know, like, if you allow them to be assholes, you're telling them it's okay to be an asshole. Yep. So it's, you know, and you can't fight every battle. But you just set the expectation, which is easy. It's easy to set an expectation. Uh-huh. It's a bitch to hold them to it. It's hard to be the bad guy. It's hard to keep coming down, keep coming down. It's hard because you're not always in the mood to be the bad guy. You know, for me, it's very uncomfortable to be the bad guy. I don't like being the bad guy. I don't, it doesn't settle well with me, but I know it's necessary. You know, my sister's a teacher. My mom was a teacher for 40 years and I'll talk to them sometimes about running a classroom because that's running a weight room. And it's, you got to come in really hard with an iron fist and you set the rules and expectations early, not by saying them, but by doing it and enforcing it, then you can back off a little bit and you only have to step up every now and then to get them back in line. But if you don't come in hard like a prick right off the bat, you can't ramp it up two weeks in. It's almost like you got to wait till next semester. You could try, right? But they're going to see right through you. So if you come in hard, set the tone, (coughs) 
And this goes back, oh, God, I'm going to die. <laughs> Found the wrong pipe. Oh, shoot. This goes back to what I said about understanding your, your deal. Yep. Understand your expectations. Explain them and then hold them to it. Figure out what battles you're going to fight, what battles you're not going to fight, and then hold them to it. The kids want to be led. They want to be, they want to be driven. They want to be uh, uh, you know, pointed in a direction. They want to be worked. They want to be challenged. They want that. They'll fight it a little bit on the outside. Yeah. But I think people in general, especially kids, I know when I was their age, I wanted to be told what to do, how to do it. And then I wanted to go do it. Yep. I, I don't see that these kids are any different. You know, I'm 45 years old. I'm going to bust balls. This generation, they're soft. They're, eh. It may or may not be true. I don't know. But we're not that different. Yep. You give them rules and you give them expectations, and you hold them to those standards, and that's the hard part in my opinion, holding them to those expectations. If you do that, they're going to be awesome, not because of anything I did, but because they just, you know, they, this is so cheesy. They, they have it in them. They're going to do what they need to do. If you set the bar here, they're going to reach it. If you set it here, they're going to reach it. It's just, it's what kids do. It's what we did when we were younger. They're just going to, wherever you set the bar, they're going to reach it because they have the ability. So if you set that bar nice and high and then you hold them to it, you're going to look like a freaking genius a couple of weeks down the line. Yep. And things yeah. are going to be so smooth, you know, I think. Yeah. So, um, and so that's kind of, again, I'm off on my tangents back to setting the tone. If you know your program, if you know your expectations, and you constantly talk about them, it gets pretty easy. It gets to the point where you can lean on the GHR and sip your coffee and you're looking around and everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. I'm going to leave them alone. Yep. You know, I'm not an overcoacher. I'm not one of those guys that needs to, as big as my ego is, I don't need to be coaching all the time and to, to show them how much I know. I know how much I know. If I don't need to say anything, I'm not going to because I'm not the one going through the workout. I'm not the one that's going to be on the field or on the court. I'm the fat guy on the sideline with the fancy outfit on, you know. I'm not doing anything anymore. So if they're sitting there and they're handling their business and, and everything looks pretty good, well, yeah, awesome. Exactly. You know, I'm just going to leave them alone. So. I don't know if that totally answers your question. I'm going way off on tangents. Holy shit. <laughs> well, I think it's important, man, because it becomes self-efficient. It becomes self-run. Like you said, you can sit back and they already know the cues. They already know where their numbers should be at. And then they get better as a team because they're pushing each other. I remember um, when I came and visited you, uh, the kids were doing squats and then you had them doing, uh, uh, they were doing hurdle unders. They were going underneath the hurdles. And you weren't even watching the hurdles because you had set that tone earlier where, you know, you talk about it. What is tolerated is encouraged. They knew what they needed to do over there, but you could focus and watch the kids on their squats. And yeah. that was huge for me because uh, I've seen so many places you talked about it, overcoaching. They're running back and forth. Oh, crap. You know, and their time is just completely wasted. And everybody's you're running like with the chicken with your head cut off, man. And if, if you have nine groups a day like that, 
you're going to kill yourself. You can't keep it up. The other thing too is when I pair exercises, so like hurdle unders don't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, mobility is important. I get it. We do mobility constantly, but it doesn't matter. Right. If you duck under a hurdle wrong, it doesn't matter. You're still ducking your happy ass under a hurdle. Right. So what does matter is a squat. Exactly. You do that wrong, you're going to hurt yourself. So when I have a big exercise like that, I generally pair it with something that's little. I don't need to waste any energy on the hurdle. Just duck under the damn thing five times mm-hmm. and come back and do your squat set. So part of that is the pairing too. You, you decide like what, what do I need to keep track of? If I need to coach kids going under a hurdle, there's a problem. Yep. In my opinion. Is there a right way to go under a hurdle? Absolutely. I don't think it matters. Duck your hips, get under it. Your mobility is going to improve just on pure repetition. And eventually they start doing it the right way. But it just it just doesn't matter. Duck under a hurdle. Exactly. A fucking hurdle. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and so why waste my energy on that? when I've got, you know, maybe 30 guys in here squatting on 12 racks. Like, that's what I need to keep an eye on. That's what I need to make sure is going well. Are we pausing at the top? Are we driving hard out of the hole? Meanwhile, I'm over here going, well, you got to turn your toe this way and, you know, (laughs) stick your finger here and duck under the hurdle and inhale on this side of it and exhale on that You know. I don't, whatever. Yeah. Not really going off. <laughs> so it is, but it is. You just explain what you need. Explain it. Explain it. Over explain it. What I tell my guys is over coach early. So three or four weeks into the training cycle, we don't have to expend much energy. We're just correcting the, the, the we're just correcting the things that are really going to affect them negatively if, if they go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, that makes total sense. Oh, and, and as a player, and even as a, when I power lifted, I didn't want to get coached all the time. Yep. Hey, nice job. Nice job. Great set. Your elbows look good. Eh, shut up. Just tell me when I'm doing something wrong. Just leave me alone and let me train. And if I do something wrong, let me know. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and Vincent DiZenzo, who I trained with for a long time, was really good at that. I'd finish a set. He'd be like, look good. That was it. Yeah. He didn't, you know, I didn't need to hear all that stuff. Look good. Great. So for me, that's what I like. I didn't need that constant. I didn't want to listen to someone in my ear constantly. Some kids may be like that. I'm not, I don't like that. So I try to shut as much as I can talk and you know, I can talk. I try to shut up when they're in here. Just let them work. Just let them, let them get after it. Yeah. I mean, from my experience of watching it, it was, you got straight to the point and the kids hit what they needed to, and they got the heck out of there because they've got other things going on. You under, and this is where it goes back to what you said earlier. You understood what their goals were, where you wanted them to be. And you set the expectation weeks ahead of time. That is the most important thing is that you set the expectation 
to where, like you said, in season, they get in, they get out. You got what you want out of it. The sport coach got out what they wanted, and the kids got better. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the kids. I think can – you, can you – so you talked about it a little bit ago. I want to – you know, we talked about this together before, but, you know, you kind of run a 5-3-1 system, uh, just a little bit of what, of what Wendler does. And I know we talked before the podcast. I'm a big fan of it myself personally. Um, last year when I was getting ready for that powerlifting meet, you and I talked about it. And you said, just go get 5-3-1, give it a try. And for instance, you know, my last. Well, I told you to do that because his book costs 40 bucks. <laughs> so when I go visit him, he can buy Popeyes because you bought that book. Absolutely. And I don't have to buy Popeyes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least get the four piece and not the three piece because I'm worth it, you know. No, dude, I'm a four piece kind of guy. Heck yeah. But so for me, though, personally, I mean, I can, you know, it's anecdotally, but, and I mean, so many people have been proven to, to do so well in this program. You know, I had my last cycle, I ran a, I did a 270, uh, 275 squat. I think I did it for like eight to 10 reps. I can't remember. On powerlifting meet day, my last one, I hit four, 400, like it was nothing. And I mean, that's the most weight I've, I've done in forever at 198. And I'm like, whoa, that was when I really, this is awesome. I mean, this program it's so, and it's so easy. It is so easy to run that I think um, you and I've talked about this before, and I know you'll dive into it. Athletes are beginners. They are so weak. They need to get stronger. And that's why I love about the five through one. So t- talk to me about it. I want to, I want to hear about it. A lot of people talk about it and want to know about it. So what I like most, the program itself, if you buy the book and you read it and you do it, it works. It's sound, fundamentals. It absolutely works. Um, I like the concepts and the philosophies. Like I don't really run five three one, but I use a lot of the concepts and the philosophies. And so, is it five three one? It's not, but. It kind of is. I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's it's a it's my own little hybrid of it. Right. Um. The thing I like, I'm trying to think where to start with it. The simplicity of it, right? You pick your main lifts. So for us, our main lifts are the lifts that we test. Okay. Hang clean, squat, and bench press. I have since added uh, the trap bar as a main lift sort of in the push press. Um, I don't use them as main lifts, but I will, will play around and we'll test them a little bit here and there. But the, the three that I really care about are the, the hand clean, the squat and the bench press. So, oh, I don't really know where to start here. So I guess the, the first thing that I'll do is we'll, we'll get, uh, they have a max right and i always do a a rep max i'm toying with some singles here and there i'm trying to figure out how to do it in a way where it's very controlled and i can as close to guarantee success as possible i don't want them to miss i never want them to miss because you miss a squat bad things can happen bench not so big a deal but hang clean can be dangerous depending on how you miss. Right. Um, so I try to set it up so that it's uh, 
it's a yeah, guaranteed success as close as possible. Um, so we'll do, we do, I do a lot of rep maxes though. So what we'll do is just like Jim says, we take 90% of your max and that's your training max. Do that for a couple of reasons. One, Jim says, do it. It works. Uh-huh. I've had great success in my own lifting with ridiculously low training maxes. Yep. Like, I squatted 700. My training max was 500. That's 71% of 700. So now I was in my 30s when this happened. So I had a, a base of strength. So we use a 90%. Okay. It works. The other reason I use a 90 is when you test you you come in mentally a little more fired up. Right. So what you produce on a test day is going to be more than you could produce on a regular training day. Mm. So you can't get that fired up every single day. You, you, you just can't do it. You'll burn out. Right. So the 90% in my head, again, it works. But it also, it's, it's, it's just a little buffer of like, when you come in on test day, you're amped up here. You're usually here. Well, we need to be here all the time, mm-hmm. weight-wise, so that you can always be successful in all your sets and all your reps. So that's, that's kind of why I do that. In season, I'll sometimes drop it to 85. Okay. Uh, Depends on the team a little bit. Football, I'll drop them. The kids that play a lot, I'll drop to 85. Okay. Um, baseball and softball will keep it around 90. There may be some exceptions here and there, some kids that are just really, really strong, and we need to, we need to back off a little bit. Um, but generally speaking, it's 90. Makes sense? Makes sense. So um, – so we go from there and then, so my progression isn't the 85, 90, 95, you know, add a couple pounds and then go. I always go with, uh, it changes a little bit. It depends on my training cycle and how much time I have, but I like to do a four week cycle. I go 75, 80, we deload at 70, and then we'll do a PR week at 85. Okay. Okay. So I always keep my percentages the same. So if I PR week and I get five to six reps on the squat, for instance, I add five pounds to their training max, uh, and we start over. <laughs> if they get seven to eight reps, I add 10 pounds to their training max. If they get nine or 10 reps or uh, nine plus, I add 15 pounds and we start over. So there's a built-in little like, oh, you squatted 275 or 17, awesome. You add 15 pounds to your, so that the training max is never too 
out of whack with what they're capable of. Does that make sense? Right, because you get the, especially the young kids, the freshmen and the sophomores, they're new to like organized lifting in a lot of cases and their strength goes through the roof. If, you, if you're training in the winter and let's say your max is 300 and you come in and you hit your 85% and you get like 23, well, that puts your max at, I, I don't know, it's crazy, like 420. Huh. They can't go from a 300 training max to a 420. We'll kill them. Right. So there's got to be some kind of built-in way to make sure that doesn't happen. So eventually, eventually their training max and their max is so far out of whack. But like I said, you can't go from your 70% being whatever, you know, 200 pounds. And then the next cycle starts and it's 315. You'll kill them. So it's just a built, does that make sense? That, that makes sense, yeah. So I always do, those are my, my, my range is usually 70 to 85. That's my go-to when in doubt. If I have nine weeks, that's what I'll do. Two four-week cycles. That extra week I can explain if you want, but it's a little. So usually the extra, so I, I'm going to do it. Yeah, let's hear it. So with football, I always get nine weeks in the wintertime. So when they come back off a of winter break, we will do a, a little bit of a rep test. Not like a true, true rep test, but a lot of those players will lift over break. So I know I can, they can get after a little bit the first week. So that first week will go 70% for five, 75% for five, 80% for five, 85% for a PR set, which is really no more than 10, okay? Now, here's where it gets a little weird. Let's say you get to 80% and you only get three. You're done. 80% times three reps, that's your new max. I'm gonna find your training max. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. You've gotta get five. Yeah. If you fall short of five, you're done. It's totally fine. Now we have a very accurate number to kind of start you over with in the, in January, in the new year. Dude, I right? freaking love that. So if you get to 85 and you get after it because you trained your butt off over winter break, great. We still have a fairly accurate new training max. That's where they start the following week. So week two of their training cycle is actually week one of the real cycle. Then we go through two four-week cycles. We'll PR set at the end of the first cycle. Right. We'll PR set at the end. So we kind of have two PR sets to kind of see their progress. Right. Then we'll go into spring ball. Then we go into summer. Then we go into the season. And that process starts over again in January. So by the end of the year, their training max is so out of whack with their actual max. It doesn't matter though. They just keep, it's the work. You just have to do the work. If you do the work really well, you're going to get stronger. Yeah. Right. You just accumulate that, you accumulate that work over time. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I have a couple other deals. It, it depends on how long, you know, sometimes you get six weeks with a team. Sometimes you get four weeks. Sometimes you get five. It all depends on 
their season. It depends on their like where their their off season block is where they they practice. You know, like with football, I always get nine weeks. Every year I've been here, I get nine weeks. Then we do four weeks of spring ball. Then I get them for a week and they go home. Mm-hmm. So that week I get them after spring ball. I just introduced the first week of the home training. So they end up repeating that first week. They just kind of introduce it to them and then they go. Some kids come back in May. Some kids come back in June. Some kids come back in July, but I've introduced it at least and they can run with it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, What was the question again? Well, what I love is you put them in the best position of, uh, of building strength. We talked about that from the beginning of the question was these kids are so green. They just need raw yeah. strength. And what I love about when you set that training max at 90, but then you, you, you know, you train them at the 70, 75, 80 and the 85 is you're hitting in that range of strength where we need to be. But the yeah. kids are also putting on that lean muscle mass over time. Cause mm-hmm. I'm thinking, because if you just think over a four-year period, if you get a kid, man, he's got, he or she's going to put on some great lean body mass, and they're going to have that foundational base for everything. Because I guarantee, let me just guess, they get faster, they get more resilient, and their agility is probably better too, just from all the, that crazy, right there. Crazy how that works. Isn't it weird? <laughs> it's crazy. Um, especially if you're practicing your speed work and you're practicing your agility work and you're doing all that stuff, you know, so, so that like, so the basic template then yeah, to build off of that. So that's always the main lift. That's kind of the, the progression for the main lift. I have a couple other variations and it really depends on who the team is, who the coach is, how, you know, how good are the kids in the weight room? So there's a bunch of other factors that kind of go into what makes me decide You've got six weeks. Yeah. What am I going to do? How am I going to do it? It, So it's hard to explain those because it's very dependent on a a bunch of different other factors. But like my go-to is what I just explained. I can do that. I'm very happy. So that's the basic. So that's always the main lift. So for football, that would be squat, hang clean, bench. Okay. For baseball, it's squat, bench. Trap bar deadlift. For, I don't know what basketball is. I don't work with basketball. I can't remember what they do. I think it's squat, hang clean, and bench. Um, for softball, it's squat, hang clean, and bench. Uh, whatever. You get the idea. Yeah. Um, and then we'll go to a supplemental block. So this is kind of based off of like Joe Ken stuff. Mm-hmm. The way I treat supplemental work is very much Jim's FSL. So it's speed work. It's, you know, if you go the, 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 if you look at Joe Ken stuff, you have the heavy, the moderate and the light, Uh it kind of falls in the light portion sort of. Um, so, for instance, and I don't know if this will be – I don't know if I'm just rambling and this doesn't make sense. So, my football Monday, 
really any any Monday in the offseason is hankling. Main lift is hankling. Okay. We follow the, the four-week progression that I described earlier. Then we go to a supplemental block. That is our FSL squat work. Okay. I squat on Wednesday. So my FSL squat is done on Monday. My heavy squat's done on Wednesday. At the end of the week, I've done them both. Jim does them in the same day. I split them up, right? My supplemental block is always paired with a back exercise, pull-ups or rows. I've got my heavy work. I've got my light work. Then I go into a circuit. The circuit follows Jim's walrus circuit rules. Mm -hmm. Lower, upper push, upper pull. So if I hang clean and squat on Monday, I can do a hinge or a squat in the circuit. Doesn't matter because I've already done one of each. Right. I generally go to another hinge. I'll generally go to an RDL with, let's say, a dumbbell incline and a, uh, whatever back movement I did in the supplemental. If I did a horizontal in the supplemental, I'll do a vertical pull in the circuit. Okay. That makes sense? Makes sense, yeah. When I squat on Wednesday, that's my bench FSL in the supplemental. Make sense? Yeah. I might incline, I might close grip, I might change that exercise, but it's all based off of the FSL work. Since I squatted heavy, I'll do a hinge in the circuit with another push and another pull. Okay. We bench on Friday. My FSL was done on Wednesday. I'll usually push press after we bench. My push press is my supplemental for my hand clean. And then I'll set up my circuit. And I can kind of do whatever I want in that circuit. You know, single leg work, hinge, dumbbell squat, front squat, whatever. I can kind of do whatever I want. But there's just some rules that I follow. And they're not rule, they're more guidelines than rules. Mm -hmm. um, you can change them but you have to understand why you're changing them. You know, I'm not doing a hinge on Friday because I did two hinges on Monday and Wednesday. Exactly. So got it. You know, whatever, or whatever it is, you know, I'm, you know, that's hard to explain like how I break my own rules, but I have my rules so that I can break them. It's like writing. You can't break the rules of, of literature writing yeah. unless you know the rules. <laughs> like you should never start a sentence with and. You know, I, I heard that somewhere. I don't know if that's true. Not that don't start a sentence sentence with and. You're not supposed to. But I heard if you if you understand the rules, then you can break the rules. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. But so I, I've got all these these rules and guidelines. So when I program, it's really simple. You know, it, it's super simple. It's not like, well, what do I do in the circuit on Wednesday? I already squatted. It's got to be a hinge. So what are my hinge options? You know, so it, it's, you just have some rules and you, you, you make your changes and all that. And so programming becomes super simple because I have all these guidelines to follow. So it's just simple. What's my goal? 
of the cycle, fill in the blanks. Does that make sense? Yeah. You talked about your guidelines there. You know, what exactly are the guidelines that you have with the, uh, with your athletes and everything? Because I feel like most of the time, especially young coaches, I feel like I'm ripping on them hard as somebody that was a young coach. You don't have those guidelines. You just kind of throw what sticks. So can you yeah. talk about what your guidelines are? Oh, that's a great question. So when I look at training athletes, mm-hmm. I kind of look at the big – I always start with the big picture. So if you look at like a coaching tree, right? I love Nick Saban. So you got Saban's head. And then you've got Kirby Smart, Lane Kiffin, and then they've got their tree and so on and so forth. So I always think from the top down. So what do we have to do? we got to put muscle on athletes. If you put muscle on them, you can make them stronger. If you put muscle on them, you can make them stronger. That means they can get faster, they can change direction better, and they're less injury prone. So at the end of the day, we have to put muscle on these kids. You don't increase muscle mass. All the other fancy shit that we want to do, we can't do. Exactly. You have to put muscle on because you have to get stronger to produce more force. So it's always about increasing muscle mass in some capacity. So, and then I start thinking about what do they do? They've got to run, they've got to jump, they've got to change direction. So you've got to do your agility work, your speed work, um, your general conditioning. They've got to be able to handle what they do. Um, They've got to be, be able to move. So you got to do your mobility and your flexibility. there may be some injury prevention type stuff that you do like with baseball, their shoulder, I call it shoulder health. That's a big part of their workout, not a big part, but it's a consistent part of their workout because it's such a, those kids never stop throwing. Right. They might take a month off every year. That's it. They play a whole college season, 50 or 60 games. And then they go play you know, 20 or 30 or whatever games in the summertime, and they come right back to fall ball, and it's amazing. So shoulder health for them is incredibly important. You could call that sport-specific. I don't, but you could. Um, So you just start thinking about all the different things that you have to account for. And then in every workout, I've got to make sure I do that in some capacity, Uh which is – I always chuckle at this. It's conjugate training. Yeah. Conjugate's not West side. Conjugate is training multiple skills in the same training cycle. And and in a lot of cases in the same workout. So in every workout, they come in and we go through a warm up That's very much based on the military style um, burpee. It's all mobility and movement. Thoracic mobility, hip mobility, all that stuff. So we got our mobility working. It also doubles as a warm-up. We do rolls and cartwheels. Basic body awareness. How do you control your body in space? Right? You got to do that in sport. Yep. How do you move? Right? It's not complicated. It's just rolls and cartwheels. You can see a kid's athleticism based on, on that. Then we jump. Got to be explosive. Uh, Then we get into our lift, our strength. 
which is kind of what I just described earlier. Right. Right. Then toward the end of the lift is where you get maybe some of the specialty stuff. Female athletes may get a little more single leg work than the males. Right. Right. You got to get your hip strengthening, your groin strengthening, your lower back strengthening, which does get taken care of in the main lift, but sometimes you just need simple back extensions or supermans or something like that, right? That's where you get in your shoulder health for baseball players. It's where you get in your, your neck and your shoulder health for football players. Whatever it may be in that sport, ankles and knees and all that stuff. So after the main lift, you, you get in, the, not the main lift is in the main movement, but the, 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 the core of your training program, you kind of, I call it the fluff. It's all the little stuff. That's the stuff that is very geared towards the sport. Uh-huh. After that, you know, we do our ab work and all that stuff. And then what do we do? A little bit of mobility. Move what we worked that day. So my, my workouts are always full body. So our, our cool down mobility is all based on the same stuff as the warm up. Move the hips move the back, move the shoulders. So it's, I could do the exact same warm up for a cool down because it works all the same things. I do different stuff for variety, but it's all based on it's So you, you always have, and there's a lot of, there's some yoga in the warm up too. Some like, so we're hitting all those things all the time. At certain times of year, in season, we may do the warm-up and the cool-down longer because it's more important that they feel good and they move and we make sure those joints are really going through a big range of motion. Yeah. We're still going to do our strength work. We're just not going to have as huge an emphasis on it because other things are more important. You know, your game is almost like your max effort lift of the week. Mm-hmm. So we can't train them that heavy all the time because we're just going to burn them out, especially in football. So you never get away from all those things. Just certain things have a bigger importance at a certain time of year. That makes sense? Yep. So the original question was, what are my goals? What are my, what my philosophies and my guidelines? I got to do all those things. We got to stretch. We got to mobilize. We got to... <clears throat> We've got to do general strength with our compound movements. We've got to do uh, specific strength. I don't know, with like your shoulder health, you know, based on the sport. Right. Um, you've got to do your ab work. Uh, you've got to do your body awareness. You got to do your jumping. Now we may not jump during the season, depending on the sport, but like, so you've always got to like basketball. We don't jump them during the season. They don't need to. They jump every day in practice, right? Exactly. Right. In the off season, when they don't practice as much, we jump them more. Right. Um, so you're always doing you're always doing all those things. So to me, when I look at it, is I got to get these things taken care of all the time. I don't need to condition football in season because that gets taken care of at practice. Right. I got to do it in the off season. You know, at certain times of year, I need to do less. At certain times of year, I need to do more. But it always has to be taken into account. You always have to do everything. Because as an athlete, you're, you're asked to do so much. 
It's not right. like me as just a fat, out of shape lifter now. I don't have to do all that stuff. It doesn't <laughs> matter if I hurt tomorrow. I'll take some extra Advil. You know, so for me, it doesn't matter. But for the athletes, it matters. We always have to be working on something in some way, no matter what time of year it is. So yep. I don't know if that really answers the question. No, it, it definitely but, does, because you're, you're putting the athlete in the best situation that you possibly can. And, again, I keep referring to when I visited you those few times. I saw that firsthand. I think it was with softball. I think they were in season at the time. And uh, to kind of go what you talked about with the, uh, the warm-up and then the cool-down with, with the girls – and I thought that was so fascinating because you did all this stuff in the beginning. You talked with them. Hey, I know you guys have a game. I think they had a game in a day or two and they were pretty worn down. And you essentially, you hit all those parts you talked about their low back. Some girls had some shoulder stuff, hamstring stuff. You hit all that in the beginning. You guys still got your strength work in. And then afterwards you hit all those main things in, in the warm up again, post lift, just in a different way. And those girls left there exponentially better and ready for their game in a couple of days. And to me, that was such a, it's such a tiny thing, but goes such a long way with, with the athlete and their performance. And then two, I got to see you do that. You talked about the conditioning for the football. That's something I'm really interested in too. Cause you talked about how you don't, you know, they're already getting that conditioning in season. What are you doing with them in the off season then? <laughs> I know you got the hill. Changes all the time. Yeah. Um, but what I've kind of gone to with, I really kind of treat every team sort of the same way, but obviously different teams, different energy systems, all that stuff. But so the way I think about conditioning is the further we are away from competition, the easier we can make it. Yeah. We don't need to beat the shit out of them year round. Yeah. We need to just continue to, it's sort of like the idea of the way Jim talks about the five, three, one, you just chip away. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather do 70% of what they're capable of for six months and have no injuries, than run them into the freaking ground. And then you got kids missing lifts, runs because of injury, then you're doing this. I'd rather just try to do this. Easier said than done, but that's kind of where my head is. So the other thing I'm big on is I want them to be able to succeed at everything they do. Not, that doesn't mean we make it easy, but I want to put a goal in front of them that is hard but attainable. So at the end of it, you can say, Hey, here was your task. You accomplished it. Yeah. Every now and then you freaking throw the screws to them and you, and then you go, Hey, do you see why we don't train maximally all the time? Cause you feel like death. Right. So you, <laughs> but it's, you just want to build a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow, a little bit more, a little bit more. You add up a little bit over time. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. One of the things I had to talk to about with a, a young freshman football group this morning was they didn't do their numbers they were supposed to. So I jumped on them. I'm like, where are you going to go next week? You blew it out today. We're, we're, there's nowhere to go next week. Yeah. You went to the top. You fell off the cliff. 
where do we go? Do your job. And then next week you have a job and then another job and another job. And before you know it, you climb, you know, you climb the ladder where, you know, we use 70% today. Well, where are you going to go when it's 90% or 85%? Where, where are you going to go? You, so it's the same thing with conditioning, you know, and I always try to explain to the kids. I realize I'm getting off topic here, but I always try to explain. They all want to see what they can do every week. I'm like, let's run the same way. Yeah. Let's see how many one tens you can do. I don't do one tens anymore. Let's see how many one tens you can do before you pull a hamstring. Yeah. It's stupid. Why would you lift that way? Exactly. Doesn't make any sense. No. Right. But it's hard for them to make that connection sometimes, you know, cause they think that the weight on the bar matters, but whatever, <laughs> I'm way off topic now. We're talking about conditioning for football. So basically what I do in, in January when they get back, if I could, I wouldn't run them for the first probably two or three weeks. Okay. Uh, the way we do our circuits is every minute on the minute we do a set. So I do a set of RDLs. Whatever time is left in that minute is my rest. Then I go to dumbbell incline or whatever. I do that. Whatever time is left in that minute is my rest. So you're building work capacity already through the circuit. Right. And then so by the time I get back to RDL, I've had like a, a two minute, two and a half minute rest for my hamstrings and lower back. My hamstrings and lower back are ready to go. Right. By the time I get back to my dumbbell incline, I've had a two and a half minute rest. But they never stop moving. So their work capacity goes through the roof. So we're building general conditioning with the circuits. And I got that from Nebraska. Now I turned it into my own little thing, but I got that idea from Nebraska and Boyd Epley. And so that's what I would do if I could the first two or three weeks. Yeah. I don't have that. I have yet to be able to convince the football coach that that's a good idea. Right. So what I do the first couple of weeks is we only do agility work. So we start with agility work, cone drill, stuff like that. So they, they build their conditioning through agility work. Okay. As we get a week or two in, we, we start doing team, team runs, like mat drills or whatever on Fridays, and the coaches just want to beat the bag off them. Yeah. I can't get them to not do that. So – but Fridays we beat the bag off them. It's it's agility drills, it's bag drills, cone drills, it's monkey rolls and all that. It's great stuff. It's just they go too far with it. Right. Exactly. But whatever. So I'll 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 do agility work with them twice. We'll lift three times, and then we have that morning mat drill. I'll go easier on the agility drills during the week because I know what's coming on Friday. Right. So. Then they have the weekend to heal. Usually about week three or <clears throat> week three or four, I'll start adding in speed work. Tuesday, Thursday, we'll do our agility work. Week three or four, I'll add in speed work on Monday. Hmm. Excuse me. And it's real simple. Like we'll go over like 10 starts and then we'll come lift week or two of that, then we'll add in maybe like 10 yard burst, like, like the first part of a 40. Right. 
then we'll work up to like flying tens or flying twenties, but it's always a very gradual introduction. By the time we start sprinting, under my eye, they've had two or three weeks of training in their, they're not up to speed, but I know, I know what they've got under their belt. If they've done anything over winter break, they're fine. So I ease into sprinting. By the time we get to spring ball, nine weeks after we started, we're finally doing sprint work because they've built up that base. Yep. The cool thing is our football coach doesn't care what kind of shape they're in during spring ball. Hmm. Awesome. So I don't have to beat the heck out of them conditioning wise. They get beat up on Friday. It's a little mental test. I, I would, I'd rather it every other, every couple weeks, yeah. but it ends up being every week. And so be it. It's fine. Um, but we generally increase the conditioning, sprint work, agility work, all that stuff gradually over time. They're fine in spring ball. They're not in great shape, but they're fine. So it's kind of like wintertime, January, lifting, conditioning, but we do it. Right. February, you know, it gets a little closer. Early March gets a little closer. Spring ball, you know, practice, lifting. Mm -hmm. Spring ball ends, lifting, conditioning. And then summer is basically a repeat of winter, except it conditioning will surpass lifting in July. Okay. Because we're getting ready to play a season. We have to be in great shape. Right. We don't have to be in great shape in spring ball because the coach doesn't care. He's told me that because I just need him to be able to go to practice for a couple hours. Now, come August, it, it's got to be different. Right. So in the summertime, it's the same idea, except the conditioning will surpass like second week or so of July, our conditioning will become more important. So I'll usually, if I test them in July, it's usually earlier, get it out of the way. The lifting becomes, it's an off season program with an in season intention. Gotcha. Okay. Move the weight fast, be explosive. Instead of doing five rounds of the circuit, we might do three because our running volume's up so high. That makes sense? Well, you're taking account the volume of the running, like you just said. Too many times. Running beat you up way worse than lifting does. Exactly. People don't take into account the, that sprint volume that you're doing throughout the week with your lifting, and that's where soft tissue injuries come. So what One you of the things – Go ahead, go ahead. Well, what you said was important back in the beginning from January to February to March, and then you get them to spring ball. You'll see a lot of kids that they can't even make it to spring ball because they're getting hammered in the weight room. Then they're getting hammered out on the field and their hamstrings or soft tissue injuries are out the freaking roof. And then you're getting in trouble with the sport coach because Johnny can't play running back this week. So I love how you progress them up exposing those the soft tissue for it's ready for those maximal, you know, velocities that you're talking about. You got to, got to get it ready to handle the work. Yeah. Um, so, Oh, I just had a thought based on something you said. Damn it. I ruined it. Um, no, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. It's freaking good though. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, 
Roadism, baby. Oh, God, I can't think of it right now. Eh, it might come back to me. So, so that's basically how I, I, I try. I, I want to approach every team that way. Yeah. Some coaches are good with it. Some coaches, you know, they're experts at my job, too. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, I can't do anything about that. I ha well, I can. I have to get better at explaining to them so that they can understand to leave me alone. Yeah. So that's a constant ongoing battle. But it's just it's the nature of the beast. You can't change it. Exactly. I piss and moan about it, but it's just to get it off my chest. It's just the way it is. Deal yeah. with it. It's like this COVID bullshit. Yeah. I don't make enough money and I don't make the rules. So I just have to deal with all the crap. Yeah. So, but anyways, so that's that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. God, I'm so aggravated. I can't think of the, oh, 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 soft tissue injuries. It came yes. to me. Um, so I, I got caught up in doing all these fancy hamstring things and all this, do it on the ball, do it on the glute ham raise, do the RDLs, do the, right. And I had tons of hamstring injuries. I stopped all the bullshit. And we do RDLs twice a week. Crazy how all the hamstring injuries just disappeared. Because, because the running volume gets so high, right. they get crazy hamstring work. Now I'm overdoing it in the weight room because the experts tell me that I got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. I don't have to do that. I do a shitload of RDLs. I mean, there's a little bit more to it than that, but it, like the simpler I got, the fewer injuries we had, especially the hamstrings. So yeah. it's like, again, taking into account the running volume and what we're doing and how long our running reps are. Yes. You know, it, it's, I actually, I was able to get the football coach to get away from doing one tens as a test. So my coach, we always pull hamstrings. And it's the only time we ever pull them toward the end of each rep when the kids are actually up at full speed and their stride length is as big as it's going to be. And then they start to overstride or they slow down the wrong way or and something goes wrong. Let's just stop it. Let's just stop that. Let's keep it short and sweet. And I came up with my whole little plan of how I was going to try to get it done and it totally worked. Um, but it, we don't, I cut out all the extra hamstring crap and I was lucky enough to get the conditioning test changed. <clears throat> I look like a genius. I really didn't do anything special. I, I, to me, I just used a little common sense. Yeah. But I think sometimes right? people lack that with, when they think about sprinting volume, they don't take into account how much that drives soft tissue injuries yeah. just in general with, just a general general training because when you're doing sprints, true speed work like what you're talking about, I mean their central nervous system gets wrecked. So, yep. I mean that's huge. Yep. So it goes back to Jim uh, and I were talking. This is probably almost two years ago now about like really trimming the fat off the program, like only do what's necessary. Like really just simplify and, and only do what's necessary and do it really well. Instead of doing this 15, 20 minute elaborate workout to lift weights, 
which you don't need, you're lifting weights. Yeah. You know, there are stories where the Russians used to like sit in trash bags for five minutes with a sweatsuit on, start to sweat, and then they'd start warming up to lift. <laughs> like they wasted as little energy as possible. Yeah. Now I'm not saying to do that. I don't, I don't, you know, but the idea is how efficient can I get all my stuff so that I'm getting everything I need? Cause I have to get everything I need. I have to do mobility. I have to do, you know, the warm up. We have to do the strength work, all that stuff. You have to get all that. So you can't do, you know, minimal training. It's, it's, it's like optimal to below optimal, like right. just enough to get everything taken care of and like really trimming the fat down. Do I really need to do step ups? and reverse lunges, and forward lunges, and rear foot elevated split squats, and ladder, or what are the ones that are kind of the best ones? And right. what I've settled on are rear foot elevated and lateral squats. So like that's the core of my single leg work. We'll also go out and run a hill in the summertime. Single leg work. You got to walk up the damn thing. You got to walk down it. Yep. Stadium stairs, same thing. Sled pushes. So if we're going to sled push in training, we're not going to do single leg work in the weight room because I'm doing it out there on the field. Yep. So why am I going to overdo, you know? So it's kind of like one of the big things I try to do and been trying to do is in hitting all those things I need to hit, don't get too redundant. You know, like I had a, I had a GA – Love him to death. He played football here. I coached him for two years, and then he was a GA for me for two years. And you'd see a workout. It'd be like deadlift, da -da 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 -da, RDL, back extension. I'm like, dude, you deadlifted. We don't need to do RDLs and back extensions. Right. We already took care of that. Do those on a different day. You know, it's kind of like I tell the kids all the time, we'll, we'll do between like – you know, 75 and 100 reps of back per workout between pull-ups and rows. Do you really need to do bicep curls? Do you really think the bicep curls are the key to victory? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I was guilty of that when I was younger too. Yeah. And it's like you just benched, you know, you just did a bench workout. I did it when I was powerlifting. You do a bench workout and you end up getting like 14 or 15 sets and you know, you, you did your raw work up to 405 and then you put the shirt on and you got a three triples and then you did some board presses. Do I really need to do pushdowns? <laughs> really? Exactly. With, with the stack? Is that, you know, like grab a band, get a set of 25, you're freaking done. Like, so it's kind of like trimming the fat out because they have school. They have a social life. Most of them drink too much. None of them sleep well. None of them eat well. So all those things, that's all against you. Then you have the stress of sport. What you have to know, you have the stress of the actual stress of playing your sport. The actual stress of lifting. Those are all negatives. It's, it's all going against you. So if I can make my portion of that controlled, it's got to be stressful because you got to have stress to adapt, but 
if I can make it to a stress level where there's a chance they can recover from it, I feel like I'm putting them in a better spot. Instead of, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and my thought is like, I've got 60 minutes with you. The workout is written to take 60 minutes from warm up to cool down. If you do so freaking well that you're done in 45, you're out. I'm not doing extra. You accomplish the goal for the day. Because you worked out so well, you just manufactured 15 extra minutes for yourself. Exactly. To do whatever you want. So you're home in the shower and out of the shower when you would normally be getting home. It's 15 extra minutes. And when you have an athlete schedule, you know, even my schedule, if I get out of here 15 minutes or a half hour early, I'm like, oh, my God. I've got all this time, you know, it's like, it, I, I think that makes a difference. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to kiss the camera. I'm fixing the tongue on my shoe. <laughs> um, I'm looking at myself up here. I'm like, Jesus, I look terrible. Um, but, you know, so like I think of all that. So you earned the right to get out early. I'm not going to keep you for an hour because I have an hour. You did what I needed you to do. And if you did it and you have time left over, you did it really well. Absolutely. You win. You're out. I don't like making up new shit. Oh, we got 15 minutes to fuck around. That's stupid to me. It's exactly. stupid because of all that other stuff that never goes away. You know, it never goes away. So if you can give them a little break here and there, why not? And then they, I, I, in my head, they start to understand if we work our butts off, he's not going to make us do more. Yep. Even if it's for the wrong reason. You're getting compliance. Their workouts get better because they know if they do it really well, they've accomplished their goal. I say, good job. They get to go home five or 10 or 15 minutes early. Even if it's for the wrong reason, to me, at the end of it, it's a good thing. You know? You get so, extra added buy-in from them, too. And, you know, and, and the thing is, like, and they start to know, like, he's not – like – he's not going to bust our balls for the sake of busting yeah. our balls. Now I will verbally and emotionally, but. <laughs> well, listen, this is something that's, that's big time though, is that um, with that, they enjoy the, tra I mean, they don't have to enjoy it per se, but they're going to do the training and they're going right. to take that training and they're going to go on, you know, later into their life and remember when they went through roads at Moorhead, it's not going to be something that they, abs so. <laughs> they absolutely hated. And they're like, I, don't, I hope that's true. I don't know how much of the athletes actually like me. Hey, I saw how they interacted with but, you. I mean, uh, they me, may have all taken their meds that day. <laughs> I mean, what I saw, it was, it was a well-oiled machine, man. And I, I think what you're doing I mean, it just shows in, in, in your experience. I'm sure you got a lot of that too, or some of this from when you and you, know, you talk about Vincent were, were training together. You guys probably hit your, whatever you needed that day. Of course, there's that legendary story I know I've heard you guys talk about where Vincent did like a million uh, max efforts at one time, but you guys probably hit your five pounds extra PR and got the hell out of there. Yeah, we didn't, he didn't do, we didn't do that much. Yeah. Like we didn't go crazy very often yeah you know like it was a very uh regimented um here's what you got 
hit it, let's move on. Um, it was very just, that's where I kind of learned the do less and do less better. Yep. You know, I'd rather do five exercises really well and really focused than 15 and, you know, do skull crushers and then push down. And, let's just do some close grip benches, kind of heavy, 10 to 15 reps. There's my tricep work. I'm done. I'm out of here. Plus I get the pack and the shoulder work in where I'm not just wasting time on my triceps. Right. Not that you can't do that stuff, but it, it, all, it all became about, again, you know, if I'm taking in the shirt, you know, 550 for a triple or something like that, it's going to take some energy to get up there. Right. And then I got to do my work in the shirt. So I do my raw work first, then I do my shirt work, a couple sets in the shirt to get it set and grooved and all that stuff. Then we would do board presses or press against bands or press against chains or something like that. I don't really have a lot of energy left. So I'd rather just do those three really well, hit some pretty good back work, some rear delt work, drink my shake, eat my Subway sub, and talk with my buddies in the weight room for, you know, another two hours on a Friday night rather than, you know, go through a string of exercises that are kind of useless. Right. Because what's better than benching when you're trying to jack your bench up? Benching. Right? Your back work's important. Your shoulder work's important, obviously. But, like, if you want to get good at something, do it. that's what you do. Yeah. Why would I do all this extra other stuff if I've taken care of what needs to be taken care of? And then so that concept or that thought process is kind of – trickled down into my training of athletes. I used to be a guy that would do a lot of different things. I'm like, we got to move them in all these different angles all the time in every workout. And then I, I stopped thinking about the workout. And I started to think more about the week. At the end of the week, what have we done? Maybe we didn't hinge on Wednesday, but we did on Monday and Friday. Right. Maybe we didn't do this on this day, but at the end of the week, I've got this done. So I, I started getting away from the workout into the week. And then when you put the week into the training cycle, now I've got four of those weeks. And at the end of four weeks, I've done a hinge, you know, eight times right. in a month or what, you know, whatever, you know, so you know, you only did two sets of this, but yeah, I did two sets of this every single workout this week for a month. That's 24 sets times a training cycle, you know, eight weeks. That's 48 sets. Right. Times a year. Right. How, how like, do I really need to do five sets of shrugs? Exactly. You know, like our neck work. We do neck work every day with football. They do a set of 25 with the neck harness and they put a 25 pound plate on their forehead or 25 or a 45. Some of the kids do that. And they do 25 this way. What is that? Extension and flexion. Yeah. I think, or it's the other way around. Every single time they come in the weight room, they do that. So they're doing a buttload of neck work, doing one set of the harness and one set of the plate. 
every single time they come in the weight room. You know what I mean? Do so I really they, need to do more? Yeah, do they really need to do four sets of 20 on shrugs? Yeah. What do they call that now? Uh, micro dosing or something like that? Isn't that a, is that a catch? That's a new fancy word. I've is it? Yeah, lot. that's all it is. I refuse to use that word. I think it's stupid. But that's what it is. Yeah. Do a little bit of this every single day. We do a little bit of mobility in our warm-up, in our cool-down, every single day. When I see them five days a week, we do a little bit of mobility every single day. It adds up. You know, it adds up. Well, it adds up big time over time. And like you were yep. saying in the very beginning of all this, how you keep it simple, right? When you keep it simple and adding things over time, little by little, it allows you – because we all, everybody always, when they write a program, has a plan A where they think things are going to go, but it never, ever works that never way. Never happens. Never. I've never followed a program from start to finish. Exactly. Ever. So what I love, and you taught me this, was because I keep it simple and I have my set guidelines, which we talked about, you can easily move into plan B or even plan C, plan D, whatever it is, because such and such happened without the program. Would you, would you agree yep. with that? Yeah. It's, it's knowing the outs of your program and knowing what to do when something goes wrong. Yep. You know, when something goes right, you don't really have to worry about it. But when something goes wrong, what do I do? You better know. Right. You better just – Juliet Wendler, I was talking with Juliet whenever, and she said it, it's interesting. The strength coach almost has to have a type A personality and a type B personality. Huh. So you got to be type A – You've got to understand the sets and the reps and you understand if you do this this week, then you do this and so on. And this leads to this. And we've got to do this many reps to get this result and so on. Like you've got to know that stuff and you've got to be able to write that down. So you have your set plan. Right. But then there's a point in time where you watch the kids walk into the weight room and everything about them says, they're beat up. Yep. The bags under their eyes. They're not talking the way they're moving. If you ask them, Hey, how you feeling? I feel great. Everything about them says they don't feel great. Mm -hmm. And you look at the piece of paper and you're like, we're supposed to do PR sets today. You're a moron. If you do PR sets, Yep. if you can't tell that they, they're not ready for it, you're an idiot. That's where you got to be a type B and go, well, that's not happening. Mm -hmm. Now what? What do I need to get out of this workout? And what are your rules or your guidelines for when that happens? Are we going to stick with our main work and then back off on the assistance work? Are you going to back off on the main work and stick with the assistance work? Like what, what, what's your, what's your go-to? Like what, what's your plan? Um, you know, there's, like I said, they're supposed to do this. There's no freaking way they can do that. Right. Or vice versa. They come in and you're like, Holy, like they look great. Yep. I'm going to take advantage of this. I'm going to work them up a little bit today. Right. Well, if I work them up, I'm adding work. So what am I going to take away from later? Exactly. Workout. So if I'm going to work up to say, 80% and they're just supposed to do a set of five, but everyone looks so good and they're moving well and the bar is fast. And it's like, you know what, let's take advantage of this. Uh -huh. 
you hit your 80% for five, let's go to 85 for three, that looks good. Let's go to 90 for one to three, whatever, right? And I'm supposed to do five rounds of the circuit. Maybe I drop it to three. Yep. Because I got to take into account the extra that we did. Because yep. if you add, you have to subtract. Yep. You know, a, 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 a eight ounce glass holds eight ounces of water. You put more in it, you're going to lose some. Exactly. So if you put more on them, you know, we're not going to lose water with them, but like eventually it's going to lead to them getting beat up. It's always going to swing back. It's always going to swing back. The weird thing about training is you're probably not going to see it today. You might not see it tomorrow. You might not see it the next day. It might show up in a couple of weeks. You know, like I noticed with the hamstring stuff, if they come back and they didn't do anything over winter break, it's usually about week three or four is when everyone starts pulling hamstrings. And you're like, dude, what's going on? Right. Well, it's not this week's training. It's they didn't do shit over break. And then we probably did too much too early, which they could handle, but eventually something's got to give if you don't have the work capacity to handle it. Exactly. So it shows up down the line and it's not that workout that week, probably. It might have been last week or the week before. And it's finally the bad sleeping, the bad eating, all that stuff is finally catching up. And so you've got to be able to look back and go, what happened? Like, where did this come from? Right. You know, it may not always be that situation, but I've known, like, it's a lot. You go, I look back at the training sometimes and you're like, oh, that's where our hamstrings came from. Mm-hmm. I see why, you know. So again, if you add something today, you got to take away today. Right. You know, I'm okay with taking away if they don't look good or they look tired or everything about them. It's midterms. It's this. It's like, all right, we're going to back off, even though the plan says this. Exactly. We're going to back off because I want them to feel good next workout. Or we're going to do an unplanned deload because I want them to – be ready next week because three weeks from now we're going to test them. Right. So it's, it's kind of having a plan and a, like, what's, what's my A? I know what my A is because I wrote it down on paper. Right. What's my B, C, and D? So it's having that type A of setting it up like the book says, and then having that type B and that experience to go, I'm supposed to do this but I'm going to kill him if I do. Mm -hmm. So what's next? So that I, I really, when she said that a type A and a type B personality, I thought that was spot on. Yeah. You got to have that ability to, 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 and that comes with experience. Right. And that comes with knowledge and that comes with a true understanding of, um, of training, which totally off topic. It's why you got to train as a strength coach. It's exactly. why you got to train your ass off yep. so that you know what it feels like to suffer. Yep. If you're going to be a fat slob and you're going to yell at these kids about this, that, and the other thing, they're going to look at you like you're an idiot because you don't know what it feels like. I don't know what it feels like to be a college football player because I haven't done it in 22 years. I don't, I don't, I know I went through it, but I don't remember what that feels like. I just know it sucked sometimes. Right. So that's why I train and I can't train nearly as hard as I used to because of all my issues, but 
I go out and I do my conditioning and I push my sled around the field and I do this and I do that. So I know what it's like to be tired. I know what it's like to huff and puff. I know what it's like when I jack my knee up because I do something stupid or whatever. So I, I, there's some level of relatability that I've created because I'll make myself suffer a little bit. Now, my workouts aren't very hard anymore because they can't be, but my version of suffer. So there's some, I know what it's like to be breathing heavily. Yep, exactly. It's sweating your eye and the clock is running down and you got to do your next rep and you want to fake, oh, my shoe's untied and lean down and tie your shoe to get, you know, <laughs> get, get an extra rest. five or 10 seconds rest. Like I know what that feels like. Right. So, but anyways. No, uh, I mean, you just uh, nailed it on the head. I've, I've had previous guests, we talk about that too. And um, somebody I, I interned at, under, he t- had an article on Elite FTS and he talked about this with us as interns. Good time, huh? Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, when, when he was interning, um, he would push the sled in between his groups. He would go outside and push the prod for an extra workout. I think he did it like twice a week. I can't remember exactly. And he said when he did that and he came back into the weight room and those after the weeks of the kids seeing him do that, the energy level kept going up just a little bit more and the buy-in, buy-in and the trust and understanding was just a little bit more because yep. he's out there sweating. He's out there straining just like they are. Yep. Now, now is he going out, you know, playing for a national championship? No, but I mean, you got to work towards something. That's why I think it, uh, you know, previous guests I had on here talked about it too competing at least do it for some portion of your coaching career because you get an understanding of what it truly means to strain because i see a lot of these strength coaches being on the outside now not doing it anymore they just kind of go through the motions and i'm like dude have you even taken a heavy load of a squat you know uh the 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 thing i you don't have to squat as much as they do to know what you're talking about no you don't but you need to have some kind of cred it could be 300 pounds. It could be 200 pounds for you. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care. What like, I can't even come close to doing what I used to be able to do. Right. But what I'm able to do, I do now. Exactly. And I, I know what it feels like. And it, it, uh, it, it, what you said is 100% true. They, they see it and they, if I'm going to preach to you, you need to do this. I better do it too. Otherwise, I'm a fucking hypocrite. Yep. And that, I, I'm get, just getting irritated thinking about it. And it's like you said, you can't, I can't do what they do. Yep. I've already been great. Squatted a grand, baby. But I can, but I can suffer and I, and I can relate a little bit. So if I'm going to tell them you need to do your conditioning and you need to do this, I better do it too. So that I'm not just blowing smoke. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. I ran into that when I was a young coach. I was running a group, and at the time, I was uh, about 100 pounds heavier than what I am now and was a slob, and uh, like you're talking about, I wasn't training as much as I should be, and I've got to give them a presentation about nutrition. Boy, am I a really good person to be giving them nutritional advice. They looked at me like I was a freaking moron because I was. I was a freaking hypocrite at the time, and they saw right through it, and guess what? I got nothing out of it. Yeah, no one listened. I always chuckle. There was back in my personal training days, everyone, like when I was personal training, spinning was the best thing. I'm going to sit on a bike like a hamster and go nowhere (laughs) in a room full of sweaty people. So 
I remember everyone was talking about spinning, 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 spinning. And they're like, so-and-so's class is awesome. And so-and-so was fat. She wore clothes she shouldn't have been wearing. Right. And they rambled on about spinning. So one day I was like, so spinning's the, the key to victory. That's how we're going to lose fat and all that and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, tell me what the spinning instructor looks like. And you could see them all kind of go like, oh, like, I'm not sure I'd be doing that. I'm not sure that's the answer. If what you're looking for, the spinning instructor teaches it. Right. And doesn't look like you're talking about. Why do you think it's going to work for you? Yep. And it was like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that realization. Man, that's the so, thing. People don't understand how uh, how to uh, – people do do this. I'm, I don't want to sound so, so critical. But people need to understand that hard work and when you squatted a grand, right, that took a lot of time. That was not something that just came overnight. That was years of sweat and strain with you and your training partners to get there. And I'm seeing so many people nowadays, and it's in my generation, and not everybody's like this, but they – and it's the instant gratification thing. Everybody's guilty of it to some extent. But I, that's what one thing I learned from you was you've got to understand the process. It's not going to come overnight. Do what you have to do for the week. You talked about it earlier, the week that leads into the next week. You know, I think it's so important. Yep. It, it is. It's, 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 you got to, you know, like pick a goal. You want to run of 5k you want to squat whatever 500 pounds or you want to lose 100 pounds whatever it's going to take a long time yep it's it's a lot of discipline it's a, a lot of um speed bumps a lot of roadblocks you know i always i i say you know, you're going to fall off the wagon and get dragged behind the wagon sometime. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Right. One day of good eating doesn't make you lose a hundred pounds. One day of bad eating doesn't make you gain a hundred pounds. Yep. You know, one great day of training doesn't do shit. Yep. One month. Now we're starting to talk about some progress. One year. Now we can really start talking about progress a decade now we're fucking talking. Right. Like it's a long process of eating pretty well, sleeping pretty well, training pretty well, not drinking too much too often. Like nothing, none of it has to be perfect, but you've got to do a lot of things really well consistently uh -huh. for a tremendous amount of time. Yep. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, it's like you, you get all the women, they're like, oh, I'm getting married in six months. I'm going to get in shape. It's like, uh, yeah. Then what? You know, blow back up after you're married because you got the ring on your finger and your husband's stuck. Because if he divorces you, you're going to take half his stuff. <laughs> you know, like, do it for the long, do it for your kids when they're 30 and the lessons you've taught them over time. And all, you know what I mean? It's, it's, 
anything that, that's worth having, it's going to take time mm -hmm. to get good at. You know, it's going to take time to, to master and understand and, and, you know, you know, if anybody watched this and like, Oh my God, I never, there's a bunch of things I talked about. And like some of my assistants sometimes are like, Oh my God, I never thought of that. I'm like, well, you're not supposed to, you're 25. Exactly. I've been doing this longer than you've been alive. Yep. Like it takes time to learn all this stuff. You know, I'd be lying if I said seven years ago when I took over this job as the head coach that I had knew close to as much as I know now, but it, it takes time and you know, you gotta be open to those open to ideas that you don't like and open to ideas that are different from yours and which is not something we're good about in society nowadays anyways. Right. Right. But open to ideas that are like, I'm not a religious guy. I read a ton of religious material. It's interesting to me, but I want to know why I don't like it. Right. Like, you know, like I want to yeah. know why do I not like it because I don't like it or what are the reasons why? Exactly. You know, I don't like CrossFit. I can tell you why, but there's a ton of stuff I really do like of it. Exactly. You know, like, you know, I don't like bodybuilding. I don't like training that way, but I can take a lot of information from bodybuilders. That's very, very helpful and very, very productive. And it's, it's, um, so it's really important to, you know, to be open and be willing to read stuff and really learn stuff, maybe not like to the core, but really learn stuff that you don't agree with so that you can say, I don't agree with it. Why? Because I don't. Dumbest reason ever. I don't agree with it because B, C, D. I, this is why. And now you're strengthening. You've learned all that stuff, so you're adding more tools to your toolbox. And like I said, I don't like CrossFit, but there's a lot of stuff about it that I do really like. So even though I don't like the concept, I've taken a lot from it that I've been able to use in a good way, right? And I'm not right or wrong because I like or dislike CrossFit, but I don't like it. But there's a ton of stuff that I use, and it's like, that's pretty good, <laughs> you know? Um, so I think that's really important to do because it's just – it's either, one, you're strengthening your belief system – or two, you're challenging your belief system. And when you, you, you do those things, you end up better at the end of it all. Well, it allows you to take a step back and say, okay, this might be helpful. This might be something I could use. It's something that you, you gave me a great lesson of that too. You said my, you said my toolbox is bigger than your toolbox. I've got, because at the time I was 27, I have been training and coaching for as long as you've been alive. So what can you add to your toolbox over the years and the time? And what can you take from my toolbox to go on to your next stop? Mm -hmm. Always mm -hmm. grabbing little things to continue to go. Yep. I think uh, you've got to be able to adapt and have those tough conversations and learning what's going on. I, yep. If you don't do that, then you're never going to grow and you're just going to stay stagnant and then you're going to be out of a job, whatever okay. you're doing and whatever you're doing in life. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you had talked to me, you know, five or six years ago, I was, I understood that there were a lot of different ways to do this, but I didn't like that that was true. So I would fight it. Yeah. 
now I'm way, way more open to be like, yeah, you can do it that way. That'd totally work. That's great. It's not my way. I don't like it, but I can totally see how that could work. Yep. Here's what I don't like about it, but that doesn't mean you're wrong. Exactly. Just different. And that's okay. And I, I hate your way you train, but I really, I'm going to take this and steal it by the way, you know, like, <laughs> you know, there, there's so much to be learned. Uh, you know, like way back to the beginning, I talked about the running a classroom, mm-hmm. right? Teaching. So I read stuff about teaching, yep. not coaching, teaching, because that's what we do. Yep. Uh, psychology, the individual, sociology, the group, football culture versus soccer culture versus men's basketball culture versus all that stuff is super important. So it sets and reps, but it's so much more than that. There's so much to be learned. Um, I'm totally getting off on a tangent here, but there's just so much to be learned. There's so much to learn about sets and reps, but you can't ignore the other stuff. Exactly. You know, so. The other stuff is what separates you from being a good strength coach, in my opinion, to being a great strength coach. And there is, a, there is a difference in that, you know, when you go and visit people and you see what's going on and you see how the athletes respond, you know, it's, it's whether you're willing to do those other things and learn about them, let your ego down, have those conversations and learn those little things. Cause that's not easy to do. No, no. The other thing that's not easy that I've gotten really good at is I don't know everything. Yep. Coach, what about this? I don't know. Let me get back to you. Love it. Because I'm. why would I lie to you? Yep. So I can look smart? Because eventually you're going to figure out that I'm full of shit. Yep. So I'm very comfortable being like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I need to look into that. And then that opens another door for me to learn something. I may hate it or I may like it, but it still opens another door for me to learn about. And, you know, I just think that's really important. Hold that thought. It's getting hot in my office. I got to open the door. Baseball's gone. Hold no on. worries. Refrigerator behind me and my computer and the, the printer. Just, and then I'm talking so much, a lot of hot air in this room. Listen, it's okay. I know I'm on the other side of the camera and I got you all hot and heavy. It's okay. I got <laughs> no worries. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we'll, we'll wind down. We'll wind down here. But you know, my main thing that I hope people take from, from this episode, I mean, there's – you've given so much time and so much great information here is just to understand those things that we just talked about. It, it's 90% the other stuff, 10% set and reps. You know, it, it does not have to, you do not have to overcomplicate things. That's one thing that you taught me massively is like, do not overcomplicate things. When we had that conversation about my powerlifting meet, you were like, why are you doing speed work? Cause I was talking about how speed and it wasn't really doing anything for me. He's like, well, throw that out. And I threw it out and amazingly my, everything just went better. He's like, well, just don't overcomplicate things. So yeah. I hope people understand that. Um, but what's, you know, got any more last thoughts, anything else you'd like to say to, to everybody out there? Um, I don't know. Probably not. Just, <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 the last thing I'll say again, I just said is learn, yeah. learn about stuff. Oh, you know what else I'll say about strength coaches? Get a freaking hobby. Yes. Get a hobby outside. I'm adjusting the tongue on my shoe again. 
That's why I'm up close. Get a hobby. Find something else that you can expend some mental energy on. Um, we spend so much time in here. Uh, you know, I know my hours are just stupid right now because of all the rules we have to follow. And they're stupid hours in general. And now it's magnified. So we don't get a ton of free time. Uh, we don't get a, a lot of free time to explore things that we're interested in. I'd like to think that most of us are interested in more than just lifting weights. Um, it's our job. It's our passion. But like my passion gets really old sometimes. It, it, I get sick of it. And part of the reason I like it so much is because I can get away from it. Right. And I don't have to live it all the time. Um, so take some time, especially young coaches, uh, take some time for yourself. Treat your girlfriend or your boyfriend better. Uh, but take some time for yourself. Find a hobby. I picked up the guitar seven or eight years ago. I still suck at it, but now I've got three of them and an amp that is way too big for my house, <laughs> way too loud, and it's really contributing to my hearing loss even more. But it's such a great thing to go home and I can blow off some steam and, and think about something else. Yeah. Um, I read a lot too, not just like training stuff. I, I read, I'm reading uh, Sherlock Holmes right now. Okay. The yeah. original Sherlock Holmes stories. But just I'm, I'm occupying my mind with some, some other stuff and I'm taking some time for myself and, and you know, just exploring some things that I, I might enjoy or I might not enjoy, but I think we can get very caught up in our job because it is so demanding and it's so time consuming. And um, like, I'm working on my off day. I, I had to work on my off day. We don't have a sport playing a game this fall. And prior to this, which I don't mind, but prior to this, I put in 71 hours this week and Monday was an off day because of a holiday. Right. But that's what our job calls for sometimes. Yep. So when you do get that time, take a little to yourself, get away from this stuff. So when you come back to it, you're still excited about it. Exactly. There's, my, there's my, there's my parting thought, dude. <laughs> I love it. Go, go home and take my meds and make a six pack maybe. <laughs> Well, Rhodes, I can't thank you enough for being on the, the podcast. Number one, uh, I think probably a year and a half ago, answering that email to have me come. And you email me back like within 10 minutes and I go, oh, crap, Matt Rhodes wants me to come. It's real. Just let, you know, open Matt your Rhodes, door. Hey. <laughs> you realize I'm just an asshole? <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. That's all I realized. I was like, man, this guy is just a, an egomaniac, crazy. Full of himself. <laughs> no, you, but you nailed it on the head, dude. You nailed it on the head. <laughs> this guy, but I was like, you know, at that time it, it was awesome. So to be able to, to talk with you again and to call you a good friend and somebody that I can always reach out to, I, I just can't thank you enough. All the information that you put out on Elite FTS, what you put out on everywhere, man, it's awesome. So thank you. I appreciate it. If people, I, I got to do more of that because I haven't been on Elite for a while. Dave's going to take away my sponsorship. Uh oh. Well, hey, people do want to start writing again. I forgot about that. <laughs> How can they reach out to you if they do? Either email going to be best for you. I'll have it down on the show. Uh, Twitter. Yeah, email's good. Uh, uh, what's my email? Uh, 
think I got Tell it. my email. M. It's like M. M. Dot Rhodes. M. Dot Rhodes. At MoreheadState.edu. Yep, that, that's it. I got it right here. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. M. Dot Rhodes at MoreheadState.edu. Don't call or text me because I won't pick up. Absolutely. As I get older and older, I'm like, I don't know that number. <laughs> I, I got a new phone a couple of weeks ago. I haven't even set up the voicemail yet. I, I really need to do that because that's very unprofessional. But eh. uh, Is it worth the time? I don't know. I should. But I don't, I'll forget. By the time I drive home, I'll forget. It'll go another two weeks before I remember. Here's what I'll do. I'll set a reminder on my phone and I'll text you, Road, set, no. set it up. And then you'll be like. I don't like, want any more text messages. <laughs> I don't want any more text messages. <laughs> Absolutely. Rhodes, I appreciate it, man. I thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure, brother. Thank you. All right, everybody. Stay strong.